0: Well, uh good morning to you it's good to to be with you again uh, this morning uh, in worship together and let me just uh, get Brian can we do a little poll uh, yeah. real quick uh, for those of you who are watching uh online and you can access the YouTube chat uh, for those of you who are uh, still uh, in the in the workforce and not retired yet another way to say that um, how many of you are uh, going to work by zoom? or some other uh, internet platform, or how many of you are physically going uh, into the office. Would love to see uh, a percentage there, and maybe we'll report that um, later uh, in the service. Well, one aspect of this past year is that many of us have learned to do our jobs from home. We've had Zoom meetings. I've had Zoom interviews with uh, potential people to work here at the church, Uh, In our personal lives, people have had Zoom birthday parties, engagement celebrations, and other life moments on Zoom. But the one Zoom scenario that just absolutely leaves me speechless is that of educators trying to educate students of all ages on Zoom. I I found a a couple of examples of this uh, online. Take a look at this video clip of teachers trying to teach uh their students by Zoom.
1: Oh. <laughs> and we have got... Um, cut, but,
0: Simon, I'm recording! Oh, no.
1: <laughs> you should, you should just,
0: like, make epic videos of your adventures in the school building, solo.
1: <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> wait, wait, what
0: happened? <laughs> we have heat and things. Does anybody want to tell Eliana that we're, we're, we're uh, in class right now?
1: Oh my god, so sorry.
0: <laughs> hold on, let me see those. All right, can everyone see these notes? Everyone can see these? So if we're looking, mm-hmm. ah! hold on, hold on, hold on. I got this. All right, these notes, which means that it's two words that um, we put together to make another word. Um, Moon and light form moonlight. Uh, The next word we have is cooler bag. Cooler bag can also be a um, compound word. Cooler and then bag. And
1: he was always the hero.
0: Okay, I, I, I've always affirmed that teachers, uh, we need to pay teachers a lot more. They certainly all deserve a bonus and a raise after this past year. They carry on. They do what it takes because for most teachers, teaching is not just a job. It's a calling. Well, this morning we continue our series at Jesus, following the way of Jesus. And in this series, what we're doing is we're taking a look at what it means to follow Jesus in every area of life, every nook and cranny of our lives. And to be a disciple of Jesus is to lift every aspect of life up to Him. And today, what I want us to do is take a look at what it means to follow Jesus in our vocation. Now, I'm going to use the term vocation and job interchangeably this morning for our purposes. The word vocation is taken from the Latin word vocari, which means to call. We have a unique calling by God to fulfill. For those who are still active in the workplace, the place of employment provides a platform for you to live out your call. More on that in just a moment. But our calling, we need to understand, is not limited to an eight to five working world with a paycheck attached. Stay at home dads and stay at home moms have a powerful calling. I actually read a line on a resume from a stay at home dad that said, I handle primary child care duties, and I love this phrase, uh, Pastor Brian, and implement household operation procedures. Now that is a call. Household stay at home child care duties and implement household operation procedures. Folks who are retired have new platforms to live out their calling, even though they've stopped drawing a paycheck. I believe one of the great armies that God is going to continue to raise up and mobilize over the next 20 years will be those who are willing to invest their life, their skills, and their abilities as retirees and answer the call of the mission of God. Our vocation, the work that we live out on a daily basis, has a powerful Place in our lives. In normal times, many of us spend more waking hours with people in the workplace than we even do our families. No doubt, some of you today may have a lot of anxiety around your job. Others may be trying to hold on to a job that might be in jeopardy in this pandemic or looking for work. Still, others of you may be sensing that this is a time in your life that God wants you to make a transition and actually move into a new phase of His calling on your life. Pandemics have a way of of focusing our lives on what really matters. So whatever your situation is today, whether you're a a retiree and you're living out your vocation, you're living out your calling uh, in the neighborhood or in uh, volunteer areas or in other ways, or if you're a stay-at-home mom or stay-at-home dad, living out your calling and vocation uh, at in the home or if you're in the workplace whatever it may be the call of Jesus on our lives is to submit all of this to him and it's to make him the lord of our work of our vocation well in our text this morning which is mark chapter 2 verses 13 through 17 we see Jesus showing up at this guy's workplace he shows up right there listen to this how this story unfolds. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, by the way, Levi is also known as Matthew. He saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, and calling, But first, let's pray together. God, we ask you and we want you to have your own way in our lives. We recognize that you are the potter and we are the clay. We offer our lives up to you for you to mold us and to make us after your will, whether it's in the workplace or as a retiree. For as a stay-at-home parent, as a volunteer, have your way with us, O God. And we're going to wait. We're going to yield. And we're going to be still. In Jesus' name, amen. So we'll take a closer look at our story in just a minute. But what I want us to do is take a broader view of this idea of work or, or calling and particularly a, a God's eye point of view. Part of following Jesus is submitting the eyes of your heart to Him and asking Him to help you to see an area of your life from His viewpoint, and from His vantage point. We hear all the time what people think of their work from their point of view. Uh, when I was in the army, if someone uh, was approaching their separation date from the army, they were called short, which was short for uh, short-timer. Well, when I was in the Army, there was a guy who hated his job so much in the Army that even while he was even more than a year away from his separation date, every time you would see him in the morning and you would greet him, he would count down. He would give you the number of days he had until he could stop that job and leave the Army. So you'd say, hey, so-and-so, how are you doing? And he'd say, 247. Now, needless to say, he wasn't put in charge of morale the unit and no doubt there are jobs like that they make us think man i'm not sure i ever want to work again but that is not how god wired us god wired us to live out of our calling and to live out our work he gave our first parents for example uh a job right out of the gate genesis 2:15 says the lord god took the man and put him in the garden of eden to work it and take care of it. I mean, just right away, after the creation of humankind, we see God putting them to work. Now, here are just three areas of our vocation that God values incredibly. And the first is God wants us to see our work, our vocation, as His provision. It is how God most often chooses to take care of us, His children, and to give us our daily bread. Now, to be sure, there are other ways that God provides for those who are not able to work. And it is often through the generosity of others. So your work is how God provides for you and how God enables you to provide with a generous spirit to others. Our vocation fills us with a sense of meaning and a sense of purpose. It gives us a reason to get going in the morning and to use our gifts and abilities and our, our talents and our energy the way God intended. It is interesting. I've talked over the, my uh, thirty years of ministry. I've talked to several couples when they have just made a, uh, a was when they've just retired. And retirement, most couples will tell you, is a period of serious adjustment. And at first, they were a bit aimless. Uh, they were not overwhelmingly happy, not as happy as they thought they would be, because they didn't really know what they were going to do with their lives, but as soon as they saw their retirement years as providing a new venue or a new platform to live out their calling and their vocation by God, then they were much, much happier. You know, honestly, the way a lot of these conversations started is uh, the wife would usually call and say something like, Pastor Phil, can you find something for my husband to do? He's driving me crazy now that he's around the house all the time. Where our vocation allows us To not only have this sense of purpose, but to also give back and to participate in the fabric of the community. And again, this is not limited to jobs with a paycheck attached. When you allow God to use your calling in the community, then we get to shape what the community is like. You know, often people complain about this community or that community. But as Christians live out who we are in the context of where we live, we get to to have salt and light type of influence. We get to shape the fabric wherever we are. Another way to see this from God's point of view is that our work needs to be submitted to the Lordship of Jesus. Jesus is the Lord of your work. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. This means that the way we do our work, the work that we we go to, is in such a way that we have to view ourselves accountable to God. Now, we all have supervisors, bosses, leaders, or boards to whom we report. And for the disciple of Jesus, there's another line up there. We are accountable to God, and we want God to be pleased with our work. This means we work with integrity and honesty because we know that integrity and honesty is at the bottom line of God's performance appraisal. It's not how many sales you made. It's not how many customers you served. It's not how many troops you commanded. It is did you represent God well in the workplace? Imagine uh, god uh in, in in as as you give an account for your life and imagine God talking to you about your work and imagine someone starting to say, "Well God, I made this many sales in real estate or or I taught this many years in the classroom or so and so and so and so and what God is going to want to say is how did you represent me in that work? Another powerful aspect of our work from God's point of view, is that our work does have boundaries. God wants us to work hard and to be diligent and to be thorough, but God never intends for our work to come before Him. And God has placed limits on our work. Exodus 20, verses 8-11 through reads, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but He rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. God gave us the Sabbath as a gift of rest and also a test sabbath is a gift of rest 6 days we work we labor one day a week is for rest and renewal now many of us may even work 5 day work weeks the 6th day on that work week maybe where you do chores and things for home but what god is saying here is you have got to give a day where you're not going full speed 24-7. You have got to have a day where you pull away from your work and that day is a day of renewal and refreshment and recreation. I'm going to be really candid with you. This has been a struggle of mine through the years. As a pastor, I have to designate another day, a different day as a Sabbath to pull away from the work. And there are seasons in which I'm really good at this at taking a Sabbath each week and not answering texts or emails or initiating work. Now, I'm not referring to emergencies. I'm in a job where emergencies come up, but I'm talking about routine weeks. And there are seasons I've been really good at it and seasons when I have not been so good. Here's what we need to know about the Sabbath. God renews us in those Sabbath moments so we can be the person that God wants us to be. After all, we're human beings, not human doings. When we don't take a Sabbath rest from our work, we actually rob God of a crucial component of our spiritual formation. Let me say this again. When we don't take a Sabbath rest from our work, one day a week from our work, we actually rob God. We take from God a tool that God uses to recreate us in the image of God and likeness of Jesus. Sabbath is a break in life's rhythm through which God forms us. God uses it to make us to be more and more like Jesus. Now, somebody who is retired might say, am I on a permanent Sabbath? No. (laughs) Most of you have a, a list of chores and appointments and commitments and volunteer commitments and routines that you need a Sabbath from. So keep that in mind. God uses the Sabbath. God uses that day of rest to make you more like Jesus. And Sabbath is a test. It is a test. The commandments were given in an economy that was absolutely tight. You work the land, you get paid for what you grow. Or you get paid for what you produce with your hands. The bottom line is in the context in which this commandment was given, is if you don't work, you don't get paid. So to take a day off from your work is to essentially trust God to provide for you seven days a week on six days of work. Let me say that again. It is to trust God to provide for you seven days a week on six days worth of work it's trusting God to provide even the animals were supposed to be given a time of rest I may have shared this example with you before but many of you know that the the company chick-fil-a the, the fast food restaurant is a company that's been operated by Christians since its inception And they committed long ago that they would be open six days a week and not seven. They would not be open on Sunday. And uh, one would think just from a a business point of view that uh, they uh, would suffer, that other restaurants that were open seven days a week would would make more money and do better. Well, I I saw this tested out one time. First of all, one of the executives from Chick-fil-A said they're doing fine on six days' uh, worth of uh, uh, receipts, if you will. But I saw this lived out incredibly. Uh, I was on a a youth mission trip in my previous congregation, and I think we were down in Florida, if I'm I'm not mistaken, and we were traveling, and so uh, the bus driver decided, let's stop at a mall, that way the kids can get what they want to eat. Uh, The lines will be short. They can get what they want to eat. We can get back on the bus and keep going. Well, uh, I was one of the last ones in the mall, and in the food court of the mall, And the kids had all these choices. And all of a sudden, I just see all of our kids in the same line that stretched the entire width of the food court and even wrapped around some. And they were all in line at Chick-fil-A when they could have gone somewhere else. Well, that was just a living example to me of how this restaurant has done all fine on six days and not seven. Well, a crash course here with your vocation from God's point of view. This is not a Chick-fil-A. Commercial, by the way. Sorry, Brian. But from God's point of view, it's work is a provision. It provides purpose. It provides participation. Work is under the lordship of Jesus that we work in account to Jesus. And work has limits ordained by God. A Sabbath rest and a Sabbath test on how much you trust Him. Well, let's shift gears now and take a look at our vocation as mission and ministry. God calls some to be church-based ministers, like pastors and, and, and other teachers. And God calls most of us to be marketplace ministers. And the word marketplace I use as Anything that is not a, a vocational church based ministry. So it could be a stay at home mom or dad. It could be someone who's retired and, and volunteering in the community. It could be school teachers, uh, jobs. It could be uh, anything other than church based ministry, marketplace ministers. Jesus called Matthew to leave his job as a tax collector and to follow him. Now, there had to be more involved in this than Matthew simply getting up from his first century cubicle and then just taking off after Jesus. I don't know if he had to punch a clock or turn in his collections or what, but all we know is he left everything and followed Jesus. The Greek word there for left or leave means to abandon. So he abandoned it and he followed Jesus. Matthew's story is a powerful story. Tax collectors not only had tax collecting as their job, but they were despised in the community, and often the tax collecting system was exploitive toward the people. Matthew was not equipped for kingdom ministry before he was called by God, but he was called. He was called, and he responded by leaving everything, and then Jesus equipped him for the work. This may be your story today. God may be calling you, to abandon your current job and to take a step of faith and to follow Him in vocational ministry or missions. God may be calling you today to leave your job and to start a nonprofit, for example, that God would use to bless others. God may be calling you to dedicate your retirement to serving as a volunteer missionary. I have known several people who have dedicated their retirement years serving as missionaries and by the way not just retired pastors but like retired engineers retired teachers retired doctors and they've dedicated their their retirement years to serving as a missionary if this is your story please let me know I want to help you take next steps to following Jesus in that call however for most of us this is not our story. Most of us are called to be frontline marketplace ministers serving on mission for Jesus in the context of our current jobs or current situation as a retiree. It is interesting in this story we see Matthew actually connecting his worlds, his job, and Jesus. He abandoned his job But he didn't abandon his buddies, did he? He had Jesus over, and the tax collectors and sinners and everybody else just kind of went with him. Let's not miss this. The tax collectors and sinners that came to the party are the people the religious elites had given up on. They were people that they didn't care if those people knew God or not. Matter of fact, they wanted to keep God from those people. Matthew's workplace was untouchable to them, but not to Jesus. Let me say that again. Matthew's workplace was untouchable to the religious leaders, but not to Jesus. And he used Matthew to make that connection. God will use your work relationships. God will use your workplace, your work in the community, to make those connections between Jesus and those who are far from God. George Hunter, a professor, wrote once in his book, the book How to Reach Secular People, said that one of the most powerful ways that, that people who are not Christians become Christians is they meet a credible Christian and they're influenced for Christ. This means that you are a powerful ambassador or representative for Jesus in the marketplace. You are. You're his representative. You're his ambassador in the marketplace. Former President Carter wrote in one of his books about a group of missionaries who went to a village where Amish lived. One of the missionaries asked a man, are you a Christian? The man gave him a list of names the, of people in the community, and he said, well, go ask those people if I am. What a powerful response. Asking somebody if they're a Christian, then here, check out my references What a challenge for each one of us. Your work also is a platform for mission in the world. From a Christian perspective, some of our places of work can feel like a strange land. Gossiping, backstabbing, political maneuvering, shading the truth and the like. Throughout ministry, I've heard Christians say to me that they want to leave their work. They want to stop their job because of unchristian behavior in the workplace. I've always counseled them to think long and hard about leaving it. And I would ask them pointed questions. Why would God take you off of the front lines of mission? Think about that. Why would God do that? I mean, after all, if Christians abandoned the public square, how could we ever influence the world for Jesus? Jesus didn't abandon the public arena, and neither should we. From an OTCC perspective, this is one of the reasons that we have chosen to allow groups that are not explicitly Christian to use our facility. It gives us a chance to be in proximity with people who may not be Christians. Now, our requirement is that groups are groups that pursue goodness and desire to to bless others. We don't want them working against the faith. That's for sure. But if Christians only hung around with other Christians, how would they ever be on mission? I mean, think about this. If Christians hung around only with other Christians, how would they ever be on mission? Jesus went right into Matthew's party where all the tax collectors and sinners were. You know, we talk a lot, even mentioned it last week around here, about living in three directions, up, in, and out. We live up toward God so that we may be formed in the way that God wants us to be formed, like Jesus. We live in toward the fellowship of believers so that we may be encouraged and supported and strengthened in the faith so that we can boldly, like Jesus, live out our mission to the world. In the world, but not of the world sharing His love with those who don't know Jesus. Our workplace, your vocation, your calling, active or retired, is a powerful platform that the Lord gives you to share the Gospel of Jesus in word and deed. God has His voice on your life. His call. Yes, that call is to be in relationship with Him. And He has the vocational call on your life to use your job, to use your retirement interest, your life routine as a platform through which He will use you to share Jesus. I encourage you to see your work through His eyes and see the people in your life the way He sees the people. As people He deeply and dearly loves. As you do, I am confident that God will give you opportunities to share the love of Jesus. Amen and amen. Well, Pastor Brian is going to come now and he is going to lead us in our time of communion as we close our service.
1: Well, wherever it is that God leads you week in and week out in your vocation, you carry with yourself into those spaces the reminder of Jesus' sacrifice for you. And one rhythm we practice to help us remember that is by sharing communion together. So I encourage you now to find your elements, find your bread and your juice, and we'll remember the sacrifice of Jesus together. When we look at the Last Supper in scripture, we see that on the night of Jesus' betrayal, he was having supper with his disciples. They were reclined at the table. And while they were eating, Jesus took the bread. And after he'd given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Take and eat and do this in remembrance of me. I invite you to take and eat in remembrance of Jesus. In the same way, he then took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant poured out in my blood. Take and drink and do this in remembrance of me. Let's take and drink in remembrance of Jesus' shed blood. Amen. Wherever the Lord leads us this week, let's bring with us the reminder of the sacrifice that God made for us, the ways that we have submitted ourselves to Jesus and he makes us whole. And we remember the, the great mystery of faith, which reminds us that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, died and Jesus was risen. And we hold to that promise that he tells us that he will come again. So as we step into a new week, let's close in prayer together. God, thank you for the call that you've put on each of our individual lives and the places that you've called us to inhabit each week. So whatever that looks like for each of us in the week ahead, lead us to be a blessing to others. Help us see each person as someone that you have created and someone whom you desire to know. And God, we thank you for the opportunity to play a part in sharing that with others. So bless us in the week ahead. Hold us and keep us until we gather again for worship next week. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week. We will see you next Sunday.